0: Take the
1: baseline
0: out. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Here we go. Uh-huh.
1: go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox podcast. I am the officially wiped-up Dan Favalli, coming at you with my super duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times, awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario aggregator of all the top 100 player rankings in the world co-host, Andrew D. Bailey. Uh, We are not going to keep the division preview train rolling today. Uh, We decided because there's this guy, Jimmy Butler, and this team, the Timberwolves, and their coach president, this dude, Tom Thibodeau, and this young player on said team, Carl Anthony Towns, and this other young player on said team, Andrew Wiggins, they all just continue to make headlines for some reason or other. We figured we'd talk about them before we get to this though. We- Mirai is Japanese for the future and in the future your commute will be less expensive because now you can get a special lease on a Toyota Mirai. Powered by
0: hydrogen and emits only water and Toyota will cover three years worth of your fuel costs up to $15,000. You'll also get three years no cost schedule maintenance, HOV lane access and may be eligible for a $5,000 state rebate. The future sounds pretty good, huh? Get your special lease on a Mirai today. See San Francisco Toyota or click the banner for details. Toyota, let's Go places.
1: We just want to remind, implore, beg, plead with everyone to continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. We are oh so close to hitting the 155-star review marker. It doesn't really mean anything, just this arbitrary achievement that Andy and I have set in our heads, or maybe I've set it in our heads. I don't know that I've actually mentioned that number before right now, but if you can help us get there, we'd appreciate it. Take the 10 to 15 seconds out of your day. We know there are more people who listen to this podcast than reviews we've seen. So just search Hardwood Knox on iTunes. Give us that five-star review. If you have any comments, leave them in that section. Feedback, constructive criticism, or just laudatory comments on our top-shelf work here. All of it is just appreciated. And you can still get 15% off at the NBA Math Shop, nbamath.com slash shop, promo code Benno, beno b e n o and finally I know we emphasize iTunes a lot because that's the best way to help the pod and, and help us get recognition but you can find us wherever podcasts are offered so be sure to hit us up however you consume your your I don't even know what I'm going to say however you consume your podcast just get at us on there but now for the question everyone's dying to know and I feel like it's been a year since I've asked it for some reason but Andy how are you doing
0: I'm doing good, but I feel like the more important question is, how are you doing? As everybody should know by now, Dan Favelli is a married man. Congratulations to Dan and Angela. Or as I've seen on Facebook, D'Angela. You guys already have a couple name.
1: They had that before we started dating 10 years ago. And I love huh? it because I don't get to. We talk about, and you do too, we talk about our lives on a podcast, but I don't really get into it on Twitter. And you sent out a tweet, and I got a bunch of DMs that said, I didn't even know you... Or had a significant other congratulations on the <laughs> wedding, so that was that was insanely interesting. It was fun, it just exceeded my expectations. We obviously wish that you could have been there uh I got mega sick the Monday afterwards. I think my immune system was just beaten down, and I'm blaming all the kids who flew in that I just caught their germs but it was it's a blur, it's a lot of work, it costs a lot of money, but it was one of the most uh, one of the most spectacular days of my life uh bar none so Definitely enjoyed it. I will. Here's an anecdote that bothered me a little bit. So I got two radio requests um, on Saturday, and one of them didn't know that I was getting married, but someone prefaced the request with, I know it's your wedding weekend, so they must have seen it on Twitter, listened to the podcast, but do you have a few minutes to talk? And I just didn't answer, and I'll probably never go on that radio station again, because it was like, one, do you really need me? of all people that badly that you have to interrupt my wedding weekend. I'm not going to bring anything to the table. I have like a a very paltry Twitter following, but you know it's my wedding weekend and you're asking me to come. Like, I I just thought that was such a bizarre request. I ended up not even answering it.
0: Yeah, that's bold. Um, (laughs) Note to all producers, stay away from wedding weekends.
1: I mean, it's just like it's—it's it's almost like asking. Remember when it was? I think it was Jeff McDonald, um, from the San Antonio Express News, tweeted it out when Kawhi Leonard got traded, and he was like, "This generic response on Twitter." No, uh radio producers, I do not have just fifteen minutes to come on and talk to you about the Kawhi Leonard trade. It's like those guys obviously had something to do on that day, and I just thought this was just something that was different—the dead of the off season. Do you really need me to talk? About I don't even remember. I think it was just general NBA. It was before the Jimmy Butler news broke, which came, I think Shams uh came out with the news like with a half hour left of my reception. I think it was like 1030 at night on Saturday or 11 o'clock at night on Saturday, which was just spectacular. But that was my one, like the whole, I ignored my work emails for the most part. But for some reason, I checked my work phone. And again, if you didn't know, it's fine. But to, but to phrase it like that, I just thought was, I guess the word you would say was bold.
0: Bold indeed. Um like you said, we do have some NBA news though that broke apparently during Space your Space Jam res-
1: two. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: um
1: oh are you talking about the one that just came in? Um uh, I was just I was just making a joke about Space Jam two happening. <laughs> or can they even call it Space Jam two, isn't it? Not an official sequel? We're already off the rails.
0: I have no idea. Um Whatever happened, do you remember when Blake Griffin was attached to that?
1: And there have been like a bunch of previous rumors with LeBron, right? It's just this is the first official one, I guess.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, The news that we're actually going to talk about, though, is the Jimmy Butler stuff. And was it even remotely surprising that this was the outcome of that meeting?
1: No. And it was, I mean, can, can we just talk about the layers to this? So you have that, the report of the initial meeting, and then Jimmy Butler comes on Twitter and is like, oh, it wasn't, like, playing it off as the meeting wasn't even today, it's tomorrow, and yet the end result of the meeting was still him requesting a trade, so the reporting was accurate to begin with. Uh, Then you have these reports, uh, Andrew Wiggins, it wasn't a report, Andrew Wiggins' brother saying hallelujah when Jimmy Butler hits the trade market. You have Butler responding via video. And then you have people thinking that Wiggins is responding to Butler, but really he's responding to Steven Jackson. Uh, That was the weirdest beef. And we've seen reports since, I think it was Sporting News' Sean Davini said that Tibbs would rather quit than trade Jimmy Butler or it was then start a rebuild in Minnesota. And now we're – I don't know if you saw the one this morning, but it was from Darren Wolfson of ESPN 1500 that said – uh carl anthony towns can't stand jimmy butler and he asked the wolves to kind of through his agent address this because he can't coexist with him but you also have reports saying that jimmy butler's downplaying the role that uh the lack of chemistry with him andrew wiggins and carl anthony towns is playing in his request you also have uh woad saying that he favors the clippers and that the clippers are also front runners to land quiet leonard And you have the Knicks who don't want to trade for Jimmy Butler because they're all of a sudden acting like a real NBA franchise. This whole thing has been just wild.
0: Yeah, there's a
1: lot. (laughs) That was my super fast Cliff Notes version of everything that's happened over the past about five days.
0: And I think you hit just about everything. Uh, I can't think of any additional details that you missed. My question is, if you're any of these teams – are, are we just going to throw out every team that's not on his list of three? I mean, there's no reason for any of those teams to make a play for him, right?
1: They No, I, they this all have caps next summer.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is riskier than any other sort of... I'm going to steal a term from agency uh, decisions. Like, I don't think Paul George's... A uh, tenuous relationship with Indiana was quite as scary as this one is, Jimmy Butler in Minnesota. Um, I see absolutely no reason for any team going after him, and maybe even the three who are on his list. When this when this first broke in the SLC dunk um, message thread, it naturally came up. Do you think Utah should make a play for this guy? And it just seems like a no-brainer no to me for, for multiple reasons. He's he has several years under Coach Tom Thibodeau, which means um that's just natural question marks about health. Think about how quickly uh Joe Kim Noah and Lu Aldang fell off a cliff. And I and I you know I wouldn't be surprised if two or three other Thibodeau players are headed down that path at some point. So there's that. There's Now, two teams that he's had pretty significant chemistry issues with. There's this one. Um, It it looks like all of his teammates just can't stand him in this situation. And then there's the last Chicago team he was on, where all the young guys were pitted against um, Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler. So we have a little bit of evidence that he's something of a malcontent, and then... I think probably the biggest reason of all, and this is the one that sort of attaches to every uh, quote pre agency. If he goes to a team he doesn't want to play for right now, he's just going to leave in free agency next summer anyway. So, and and I think those three caveats probably attach to just about any team you want to hypothetically trade him to in the NBA. I just, this is going to be a difficult deal uh, for any side to get done.
1: Right. And I think that probably contributes to what is the the latest breaking news tidbit of the situation was I think ninety minutes or so before we recorded this Woj coming out and saying that Thibodeau has rebuffed all trade overtures for Butler at this point. And part of that is because Tibbs is Tibbs but also I'm I'm sure the offers have been largely dog shit at this point, just yeah. for all the reasons that you've outlaid. And if you're certainly if you're a I mean, it works both ways. Let's remove the health questions from the table. Let's remove the impending free agency. Look at it from the, if we can divide a line between the two different types of suitors. Either you're the Clippers, Knicks, and Nets, who are on his list of preferred destinations. You all have cap space this summer, in which case, why give up anything for him unless you're getting off a bad contract in the process? Or you're a team that's not on on his list, and as you just outlaid, Just why would you give up anything of value for someone who, as of right now, wants to leave um, uh, after this summer? And it's not a Kawhi Leonard situation, just because I think Jimmy Butler, right now, probably a top 10 player when he's healthy. But he's not going to be the best player on a championship team. He's had those chemistry issues, like you outlined, again. And it's just a different... Situation, um, you you make this risk when it's Kawhi Leonard, and maybe you know some teams. I think we proved they're not even going to take that leap when it is Kawhi Leonard. Or else, he would have ended up somewhere other than Toronto, probably. That seemed like a perfect storm of circumstances where you had this impact player in DeMar DeRozan, who's also on this perhaps above market deal that you don't mind getting rid of, uh, two years earlier, and and that's how you get Kawhi Leonard. That situation doesn't appear to be out there for Butler. That, in essence, is why I really don't have a problem with the Wolves kind of holding Pat right now, and I don't know if you feel the same way. Yes, it creates awkwardness. Yes, you run the risk of infighting, but one, can things really get any worse for the Timberwolves behind the scenes right now? Two, um, if the offers are bad at this point, like, unless you're turning down a Kawhi level return... uh, you're not really missing out on anything. And then three, if you wait, and I'm not saying the Timberwolves are thinking along these lines, but maybe it increases the urgency for a select few teams to throw out a better offer. Uh, You know, maybe New York reverses its stance on giving up picks and young players because it hears that Kyrie Irving is definitely going to sign with them. If Butler comes, Uh, maybe Los Angeles decides to make Avery Bradley and Luke Mbamute available at midseason, players who help the Timberwolves now and who aren't on bad contracts, they're both basically expiring when you factor in Bradley's gar- uh, partial guarantee. Maybe Toronto goes full nuclear and is willing to dangle o- OG Ananobi and other stuff to try and keep Kawhi Leonard by trading for Jimmy Butler. Maybe Philly does something because it sees an opening in, um, in the title contender conversation. There are just a-, a whole bunch of things that can still happen over the upcoming months, and I'm not sure whether Jimmy Butler's trade value is going to take any larger of a hit than it already has.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right. I I guess the only risk to waiting other than just what is this going to do to our team chemistry-wise in the short term, and and I think we talked about this a little bit when the Kawhi stuff was happening. I wonder if you know we're in this era of player, player empowerment in the NBA. I wonder if we will ever get to the point where we see legitimate holdouts like there are in the NFL, like Le'Veon on bell right now is missing regular season games. Um, and his is a contract dispute. Uh, Jimmy Butler's is, is I think a little bit different just in the sense that he doesn't want to play for this team anymore. Right. Uh, there was, there was a threat basically, or at least a reported threat that Kawhi Leonard was going to sit games out from the Spurs if they didn't figure something out and get him out of there. Um, there's nothing like that yet. With Jimmy Butler, but there's a lot of um, there's a lot of smoke coming from that organization over the last year. It just seems like everybody sort of clashes with Jimmy Butler, and um, maybe he won't hold out. But <laughs> all of this chemistry stuff is is going to be problematic uh, if they take it into the season. And right now, it looks like they will. Um, and I think you made a pretty good argument for for why they might have to take it into the season. Um it's just it'll be really really interesting to see how it all plays out. I mean it's it's at a point where they're not even really trying to hide it. I don't think I don't think there's anybody who I mean if Carl Anthony Towns or Andrew Wiggins came out today and said all this stuff is rumors, we're fine with Jimmy, we're ready to go into the season and you know we're going to we're going to make the playoffs again and blah blah blah. I don't think anybody would believe any of that. I I think it's pretty clear that uh, several relationships in that organization are just uh, toast at this point.
1: Yeah, it's... I I mean, some people might be listening to this on Timberwolves Media Day or after it, but that is bound to be an awkward situation unless Butler no-shows somehow. And then that would create its its own circus. Uh, I just... Do you... I think inevitably... Owner Glenn Taylor has Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor is going to get involved, and Minnesota will reverse this stance. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen before the the preseason opens. Basically, I mean, this is from Butler's camp's perspective. You apply pressure to the Wolves by going to them within a week of training camp, basically, and saying we want to be traded before it opens. As the Timberwolves, though, you don't need to acquiesce to that timeline just because it is pretty unreasonable to go out, and if you haven't already been gauging the market for Butler, like what do you make of it? Because he's an expiring contract, he's going to enter free agency, he has a wish list, um, there are the health concerns, or the fact that he's just played for Thibodeau looming, you haven't really had time to do your due diligence, and because... Tom Thibodeau's in charge of basketball operations. I doubt that they were really dangling Butler anywhere before now because he probably thought he could salvage this yeah. situation, and uh, you 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 to some degree have to slow play it. But I don't think they can let this ride out for for too long. Objectively, it makes sense. Just again for some of the reasons uh, that I w- I listed off before. But you can you imagine this Timberwolves team playing together into like January first? We're we're going into 2019 because I just can't.
0: Yeah, if this lasts till the trade deadline, either they they work some magic on some of these relationships or it's just going to be – it it could get bad.
1: Ironically, maybe the Lakers never should have brokered the buyout with Dang because he would have been some nice salary-matching fodder that the Timberwolves might have been interested in during this deal. That's mostly a joke, but it's also Thibodeau, so I don't know. (laughs) <laughs>
0: um, what did you think about the reports that say he doesn't want to play with LeBron though I thought that was interesting
1: it kind of feels like we've been led up to this point like there have been these events that have pointed to something like this happening Kyrie Irving wanted out of Cleveland yep. after making three straight NBA finals Paul George didn't even give the Lakers a meeting and I'm sure by that point even though LeBron hadn't officially signed by the time Paul George recommitted to OKC It was probably common knowledge throughout those insider basketball circles that he was headed to the Lakers. And now kind of this, I don't think it says anything necessarily about LeBron. You look at his talent in a vacuum and I would think anyone would want to play for him, but consider his age. He's entering his age 34 season. Um, And then just the attention that comes with him. He's no longer holding his team hostage because he signed that four year deal with a player option after year three. But how well is he going to age? He has to enter his twilight at some point and yet you're still going to be in his shadow, maybe when you're the one who's carrying a bulk of the burden if it even gets to that point. And many people have said this playing with LeBron is almost a thankless job at this point we've reached yeah. the point we've reached where we're at. We're saying basically all the time that when when LeBron's teams wins, when LeBron's teams win, it's on him when they lose, he doesn't have enough help who wants to willingly tether themselves to that situation as a superstar in their, in their prime.
0: Yeah, I think that's a huge point. Um, and I can understand why a player would feel that way. You have to deal with that. You have to deal with what a lot of players I think have, have described as sort of a difficult leadership style, with LeBron, he demands a lot. And if you don't quite reach his level, you get these passive aggressive attacks within the media. And there's, there's a lot that goes into being a LeBron James teammate. I think, um, some have come out much better for it and some have struggled. Some have, uh, (laughs) openly and successfully tried to get away like, like Kyrie Irving did. So I understand some of these superstars, Uh, maybe wanting their own situation or a better situation than LeBron. As crazy as that sounds, um, (laughs) better situation than LeBron is like, that's almost an illogical (laughs) sentence to say, but I get it from a player's perspective. For Jimmy Butler specifically, he seems like he wants um, a team of his own. The, The teams that he laid out, I mean, he would instantly be the best player without a doubt on any of those three teams the one that's the most interesting to me of the three is probably the Knicks um and like you said they are it it looks like they're willing to wait it out and just go after him in free agency free agency this summer but in New York he is unequivocally the best player at least for the next couple of years he's already 29 years old so we could be seeing his decline soon as well but I would say for at least the next year or two he's the best player on the Knicks and he has a number two in New York in Kristaps Porzingis that I don't think the Clippers and the Nets can come close um to equaling. I, I think Kristaps Porzingis, I'm still very high on him despite the injury and um I, I just think that would be a heck of a one two combo when Porzingis is all the way healthy again. That of those three seems like the best situation. To me, I don't know where you stand on that.
1: If he wants to be the guy, maybe, but it doesn't seem there have been rumors. Uh, Low Zach Lowe over at ESPN said that Butler and Kyrie Irving want to play together. And when you look at the Nets and Clippers I've, appealing to Butler because they have the potential to carve out another max slot in addition to having Butler, I'm not sure how much that like how much does he actually want to be the guy? Does he want to be just be on a team with his own terms where he gets to pick? His star sidekick, someone like Kyrie Irving, who's more in his age group, I, I I don't know. Or maybe Kawhi Leonard. I saw this on Twitter the other day. And can we talk about how crazy it is that Butler's first choice is the Clippers, who, per Woj, are also considered the early frontrunners to land Kawhi Leonard? Like, the Clippers are—like, Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard, like, they want the Clippers. That's like—and LeBron's that is- on the Lakers. That's, that's mind-melting. Steve Ballmer. Steve Ballmer, Lawrence Frank, Lee Jenkins. How's that for uh, Director of Identity? Director of
0: Narrative or whatever that title is. Uh, The
1: Knicks, for the Knicks specifically, I wouldn't trade for Butler. And I'm probably going to say the same thing for both the Nets and the Clippers. But if you're the Knicks, the only way you make it happen is, one, if, if you don't have to give up more than one prospect who isn't Kevin Knox or a future first, but the other reason why you do it is that you have confirmation that Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant wants to come. Because if you if you trade for Butler with the salary that you would have to send out, you put yourself – and I'm just going to assume that Courtney Lee would be a part of the deal. You put yourself in a position where if you can then dump or sweeten a deal enough to dump the final year of Joakim Noah's deal or the final two years of Tim Hardaway Jr.'s deal, now you have Butler – You have Kristaps Porzingis' cap hold, and you would be able to carve out the money necessary to go out and get a Kyrie Irving, or even a Kevin Durant. There would be more hurdles involved there since his max is slightly higher. That, to me, is why you would go in on a Jimmy Butler trade. Unless you have that confirmation, and even if you do at this point, because 2019 free agency is still so far away, I'm not touching Butler with a 10-foot pole. And I'm not, if you're chasing two superstars, I'm not sure you want Butler as the second guy if it costs you something right yeah. now or a future asset.
0: How much longer do you think he has at this level?
1: I don't know. That's, the, I mean, I don't know. He, he turned 29 earlier should, yeah. this month. Um. Maybe it helps that he both kind are, of didn't play a ton his first two years. That's true. I mean, he still cleared 2,000 minutes as a sophomore, so I should take that back. It's funny that I'm saying. It was because he played in all 82 games, though. 26 minutes a game isn't anything astronomical. But, I mean, you've played with Thibodeau now for basically all but, what, a season of your career? Yeah. And so I, I just – I don't know. And you have you, you, you have now this history of knee injuries. I just yep. – I I don't know. I don't want – I'll tell you this much. Never mind what you get for him uh, or what it costs to get him in a trade. If you can pick him up uh, via trade and it's just clearly at a discount, you, you by all means do it. Um, if if it's a Raptors situation where they're getting off money that they don't necessarily mind losing like DeRozan, uh, maybe that's Portland with CJ McCollum. Then, but then by all means do it. I don't want any part of paying him $190 million in a five-year deal.
0: Did you see Woj's tweet that just dropped?
1: I did not. I'm so focused on what we're doing.
0: <laughs> he said he just updated the story with additional reporting on Minnesota's ownership increased willingness to find a Butler deal. So, uh
1: Thibodeau about to resign or get fired?
0: Yeah, I was gonna say if if Thibodeau wants to ride this thing out, he might be uh, he might be overruled by his bosses.
1: So let's. Uh, I guess so. This is a good, not really a pivot, but this will direct us. He's going to get moved. There's no way Jimmy Butler finishes the season in Minnesota. I would be shocked. Do you before think he's going to? Oh, go ahead. I, I'm
0: just going to share one thing before we move on. Um,
1: you could share two things.
0: <laughs> well, uh, technically, it is two. It's two different players. One point. Um, Lou Aldang. He played over 2,000 minutes every season from his second season. There's one where he dropped below 2,000 in 08 09, but just about every season of his career, he played over 2,000 minutes. Then in his age 31 season, he dropped to below 1,500, and then last season, he played 13 minutes. Joachim Noah, he played over 2,000 minutes generally every season, or close to 2,000 minutes, until his age 30 season when he dropped down to 635. Um, And then he's played just over 1,000 minutes over the last two seasons. So both of those guys experienced their sort of fall off the cliff um, around their age 30 season. So if there's any sort of I'm – not, I'm not saying Jimmy Butler's going to have that same thing happen to him. I'm just saying there's a chance. And with those two guys, it happened around age 30. Now I'm sorry I cut you off. Now we can uh, go for your pivot.
1: No, that's super relevant because you're not – no matter which team you are, unless you're really just getting off a, a bunch of crappy money and that's your only goal – you're, you're trying to acquire Butler with the intention of keeping him. And so all yeah. that stuff matters as you weigh his future. If
0: you're going to sign him to like a four or five-year contract.
1: Right. Uh, and four years would be more ideal just because yeah. that's going to take him through. That still takes him through his – he's playing out his uh, age 29 season now. So yep. that's still going to take him through his age 33 season, I, which is just I, – I don't even know if I want a part of that. The next two – I would say the next two years should be fine.
0: Yeah, I, I would give him at least two or three years too. But he, he's got, like like you mentioned already, he does have knee issues. And but, you never know how quickly those can derail somebody.
1: But this is the problem with the NBA's pay structure. And just, I mean, probably the workforce in general is that at some point you start to get paid for the experience you already have and it, that doesn't account for decline.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: And so this is tip. You're not – you can't know, you go to Butler and say even if you trade for him, we'll give you a three-year max because there will be a team that will give him four on the outside. You can say we'll give you four because no other team can offer him four. At the same time, that might turn him off and then just prompt him to go accept a four-year offer from another squad. But if we're operating – and this was basically from Woj's most recent updates is that while Thibodeau is saying he won't – he doesn't want to trade Butler – um, Glenn Taylor, and this is a direct quote, has become fully engaged in the decision-making process on a potential Butler trade and is far more open to the idea of orchestrating a deal than president of basketball operations, Tom Thibodeau and GM Scott Layden, big sources said. So now you have him kind of just going over the head of two of his primary decision-makers. And this is also from Roach, opposing teams believe the fastest avenue to a Butler deal is engaging Taylor, which is just... Could you imagine that now all these GMs or or maybe the owners are now texting Glenn Taylor and just Thibodeau and, and Layden are being removed a little bit from the process? That's even fun to imagine and would be—
0: it, This could get even more dramatic than it already is.
1: Yeah, pretty typical of this entire debacle. We're going to—so we're both going to assume that Jimmy Butler's gone. He won't finish the season in Minnesota, correct?
0: Um. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and assume that. Do you
1: think when he's traded that he will be dealt to one of the three teams that was on his list?
0: So it's interesting you asked this because I was kind of thinking we should go this direction too. Um, and my, my point of view on it was do, can we even – of the rest of the teams in the NBA, which one would even make sense to take a one-year flyer on? Like how – which team can justify that?
1: I want to say Denver, but I just don't think they can justify including one of the Trump cards. It would take to get Butler, and that's either Gary Harris or Jamal Murray. If you and I, I wouldn't include either one
0: of them. And the other thing with that situation, I actually, I think Jimmy Butler and Nikola Jokic would work pretty well basketball wise. But I think Jimmy Butler would be driven insane by Jokic's demeanor.
1: At the same time, he seems to like Denver. He's always with Demaryius Thomas.
0: No, I made a joke about that when some Butler stuff broke like a week ago. I posted a bunch of pictures of him and Demarius Thomas. Um, And maybe he just needs more happy-go-lucky teammates like Jokic. But it seems like if you're not – he needs guys that are like intensely driven to be satisfied as teammates. I'm not sure if he's going to find that anywhere, but I'm – I'm pretty sure that's not going to be the case with the Nuggets.
1: <laughs> well, and even, if you're the Nuggets, you don't give up Harris or Murray in a deal unless Butler guarantees you he's coming back. And without them in the deal, you you can't really make it because even if Michael Porter Jr. It, like the, let's say the Timberwolves just want to blow it up and they like Michael Porter Jr., where's the rest of the salary filler coming from? They're not going to want. They're not going to want Mason Plumlee. You can't trade Will Barton until the middle of January. Uh, but two teams that kind of stand out to me, uh, and this is my favorite one, also the one that I don't think will ever happen, is Toronto. If Butler actually wants to go to the Clippers and they're considered frontrunners for Kawhi Leonard, maybe there's an interest in Butler wanting – like maybe he wants to play with Kawhi. I know a lot of people – this was on Twitter yeah. the other day saying that they, they wouldn't work because quai is too quiet. I don't know if that's a problem. I think with Kawhi's work ethic that those two might get along – Just fine, and because Butler is gonna, he's just gonna gravitate more towards the media. That he might feel like it's his team, even though Leonard is the better player. And so, if you're Toronto, why not just go nuclear and offer some combination of uh, OG Ananobi, Danny Green, Norman Powell, CJ Miles, uh, Dellen Wright, not all of them, but some combination of them. You're not gonna get Valanciunas or Ibaka off in, in in either in this deal unless you're taking back. Gorgie Jang, which, which you shouldn't because the whole point is, even if you do, yes, it, it could end up costing you Ananobi and then Butler could leave, but you're still dealing with clean books in 2020 then. So if you can offer some combination of those players and get Butler, I would probably do it. And if you can do it in any way without giving up OG Ananobi, then you 100% do it. I, don't, I doubt that you could, but I'm just saying uh, that would be... If I'm the Raptors, just think about Butler and Leonard and Lowry on the same team.
0: Um, yeah, I guess it would depend on how many of those young guys they <clears throat> they would have to give up because – sorry. I actually think Toronto is already the best team in the East, and I think one of their biggest strengths is their depth. So I, to me, it would depend on how much of that depth is impacted. If they go from like an 11-deep team to an 8-deep deep team to add Jimmy Butler. Um, it makes sense, but I think, I think we're dealing with all the same qualifiers that I laid out earlier though. I, I'm not sure what he does to chemistry. Um, I'm not sure how healthy he's going to be over the course of the season, but if you just look at it from like top tier talent standpoint, like you just said, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard. Now you're not just the best team in the East. Um, you have some sneaky potential to keep up with a team like last season's Rockets or this season's Warriors. Um, I don't think they would beat either one of those teams, but I think certainly the recipe is having multiple guys who can switch all over the floor and at least frustrate Golden State's defense, maybe force them into some of that ISO heavy stuff like Houston did in the Western Conference Finals last season. And Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard just on the basketball court, um, They're about as tailor made for that as anyone in the league. So that would certainly be something Toronto would have to consider. Again, it would just depend on, to me, on how much, um, how much it would take to make it happen. Which is, I mean, that's kind of a cliche thing to say. That's what that's what you think with every trade, but with Toronto specifically, their depth is just such an important thing to me.
1: Well, I think there are two different variations. And one, if we assume that. Jimmy Butler's trade value hasn't just absolutely plummeted. If if you're Toronto, would you do Norman Powell, Ananobi, and then one of Danny Green or C.J. Miles? You could basically tell Minnesota to take its pick for Jimmy Butler. Say that again. Powell and Ananobi, and then you tell them they can have Jimmy Butler or C.J. Miles.
0: Jimmy, wait.
1: Oh, sorry. It would be... Sorry, I <laughs> fucked that up, but Wait, Norman uh, Powell and Ananobi, and then one of Danny Green or C.J. Miles uh, for Jimmy Butler.
0: Um, I would do that, yeah.
1: Now, if Jimmy if Butler's...
0: You're still hanging on to DeLon Wright and Fred VanVleet and I Pascal Siakam. Yeah, that's, I think that's probably... And you're
1: getting, in a weird way, you're getting Powell's money off the books. His four-year extension kicks in, and he wasn't really a factor last year. Now, if Jimmy Butler's trade value is cratered, Maybe this is a situation where if Minnesota likes Powell as a young player, you can offer Powell, um, Dylan Wright, and then Miles or Green, and then include your 2021 first-round pick. I don't know if you're willing to go that far into the future, but if you can get Jimmy Butler without giving up OG Ananobi, that would be, that would be something.
0: That makes you even more uh, switchy, like I was talking about earlier. How many picks did they give up to get Kawhi?
1: (laughs) Just the one, and it's protected, which is hysterical to me.
0: Um, So, yeah, they still have picks they can give up. It'll be really interesting. I wonder if this will be the – how many stars in a row has it been now where the trade package that is actually announced is like, whoa, that seems like very little for that guy. I mean, Jimmy Butler was just involved in one of these (laughs) last summer.
1: Right. Uh, it's uh, well, and that trade actually doesn't look so terrible for the Bulls nope. in hindsight because Markin seems like that. he's going to be really good.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny to look at that trade now. Um, Laurie Markin and Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, without without the benefit of knowing that this was all going to go belly up this quickly, that was still probably a good trade by Minnesota, right? Given what they knew at the time,
1: I think the trade was fine. So obviously what's happened since has not been.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you could have predicted that, though.
1: You might have been <laughs> able to predict it, but the, in a vacuum, Jimmy Butler was worth what you gave up.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying.
1: But We can't like uh, pretend that Zach Levine is all, is all of a sudden this really awesome NBA player on a bargain contract because he's that's, not.
0: That's true. Um, um, yeah, Chicago hasn't handled their end of it much terribly better than uh, Minnesota has.
1: Now as another team that m- would maybe think about acquiring Butler who that's off his list. What about the Blazers? If it was just they build something around CJ McCollum or if it's just a straight up straight up dice roll.
0: See so this is this is kind of what I was thinking um, when I asked which of these teams would it make sense for because I think it made sense for OKC to get Paul George cuz they could talk themselves into being one player away. I think it made sense for Toronto to get Kawhi Leonard because they could talk themselves into being one player away. And I think Portland could probably talk themselves into thinking we're one player away. Um, and then Jimmy Butler's maybe that guy. Now, I'm not, I am not—I might not agree with them <laughs> if they said that. I don't think Damian Lillard and Jimmy Butler is a strong enough top two right. to challenge yes. the Warriors, but it certainly makes them better. Um, I think they might fit basketball-wise a little. Better than Lillard and McCollum do. Uh, certainly, it it raises their defensive ceiling a little bit. So that one that that is a team that does make some sense to me. That's an interesting one. What about Philly? <sighs> Philly's one that <laughs> I think the chemistry question is big here. I don't know if it's worth a one year rental of jimmy butler with that team your two top players are so good already and they're so young i might just um i might just opt for organic growth if i was philly i i think within the next two or three years they could have two top 10 players on that team and i think if you supplement that with solid role players you're in great shape and and if you know if it is a one-year rental then Big deal. You can continue to grow organically even after he leaves. But I would I would be a little bit more worried with the chemistry question with them than maybe some other teams.
1: Would you be willing to do I, – I would say Embiid and Simmons are obviously off limits. I would say faults would be off limits. Would you put Sarich off limits as well?
0: Yeah, probably. So um, would you
1: do Covington, Bayless, and a pick for Jimmy Butler? Yeah.
0: I think I would do that. Covington is really good um, but I think Philadelphia could probably recoup most of that if if Jimmy Butler just came and went after one year. Does that make sense?
1: Possibly, I would just say Robert Covington's deal he's going to cost about a third of what Jimmy Butler is going to cost in his next contract yeah. and He's already uh, exceptionally good defensively, very streaky on the offensive end, which is a problem. And it's tempting, you could say Jimmy Butler as that type of just shot creator from the wings. That's really just what Philadelphia is missing. If if I'm the Sixers, I would have a tough time if Butler was was the guy talking myself into making this 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 type of gamble, just because you don't know if he's going to come back. And he's again, he's not quiet Leonard. It, it would have to be, you would want to give up and if you're not willing to give up either of your top four prospects or Covington, there's just no deal to be made at that point.
0: Yeah, I think I would I, I think my initial answer is probably where I would come down with the Sixers. It's just I would rather I would rather keep this group together and just kind of see how it grows um organically.
1: I think I have two interesting teams for you now who are who aren't on his list. Although I guess one might be on his list. The Miami Heat have been mentioned a couple of times. And if you're willing to give up Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow, you have a close to a very enticing package right there.
0: Now, see, I just don't know if I would be willing to do that.
1: If I'm the Heat—
0: How old is Josh Richardson?
1: I think he's twenty. He's older
0: than most second- or third-year players. He's—
1: 25. He's, he's, he just turned 25, too.
0: Justice is 22. Um— both of those guys, especially Richardson, are super interesting young players to me. But Miami eventually has to consolidate talent. They have all these sort of um, – I'm not going to say mid-level guys. Maybe like upper mid-level guys.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And eventually you need a star. So something like this has to be at least um, in conversations around the Miami front office. But, And I think this is probably a team that <clears> – <throat> would be more likely than any of the others we've discussed to be able to keep him beyond just one year. There's just so many, there's so many variables with Butler. Like even if you can keep him to to stay, do you really want him through his age 33 season?
1: Well, that's the the big issue for the heat is because one Richardson and Winslow don't get the money to work on their own. And so unless you're getting rid of one of your other less savory deals, it's not going to be Hassan Whiteside or Tyler Johnson, but and it probably won't even, when you look at the Timberwolves roster, why would they want Kelly Olynyk or James Johnson? Unless you're going to also get rid of Deion Waiters somehow. It, once you give up Richardson, that's your last like, value deal that you have, that you've just played. Everyone else is on market level or above market contracts, and that's going to count Jimmy Butler, even if he resigns. And now you're just, now you're stuck then. And so you need to be sure that, He's the one who's going to get you over the hump, and and that's assuming he's even going to stay. I'm if I'm Miami, I,
0: think I would we're have not over the hump either. Like right. if their if their best three players next year are Goran Dragic, Jimmy Butler, and uh, we'll just say Hassan Whiteside, that's that's not putting the fear of losing into many Western Conference teams.
1: Right. You could spin it as yes, we're giving up Richardson, but maybe they don't want to pay Winslow, which would be fair. And again, if you're getting off one of your other contracts in the process then it becomes easier to talk yourself into
0: yeah um if you if you told me i could get rid of Deion waiters deal then then i would certainly be uh (laughs) more interested if i was miami
1: Deion waiters and andrew wiggins on the same team just like it was supposed Uh to be
0: that would be incredible
1: here's here's (laughs) one that's semi-interesting but i think the answer for you would be no the milwaukee bucks
0: yeah um Probably no. I mean, what would they have to give up, or what do they have to give up?
1: They don't really have much. And to be honest, I'm not giving up Chris Middleton for Jimmy Butler. It's not I that I think, I think. It's not that I think uh, Chris Middleton's better. He's not. He just turned 27, so he's younger and he's more plug and play than yep. Jimmy Butler is.
0: I think he's much more willing to be a complimentary guy than Jimmy
1: and if the i mean if the value reaches so low where minnesota is just gonna accept a deal built around snell and thon maker maybe but that that would be that's selling and the, the bucks don't have a lot of flexibility in the picks they could offer because of that commitment to phoenix from the eric bledsoe trade and maybe bledsoe would be a nice trade ship but i don't know why minnesota wants bledsoe when you have Derrick Rose and Jeff Teague and, and Tyus Jones. Although if they want Bledsoe to play with Teague, uh, I that would be something. If I'm Milwaukee, that that I may consider.
0: Bledsoe and Butler together could be another potentially volatile situation. I would think. Well, Not saying, the like struggles with with work ethic. He's just somebody who has clashed with teammates in the past.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm just saying if you went if it was like Bledsoe and Snell and. Like, yeah, you're
0: saying like if they ship Bledsoe out?
1: Yeah. And
0: then Thibodeau could have his dream of playing uh, Bledsoe, Teague, and Rose together?
1: Right. There you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be funny when they trade Jimmy Butler and start Derrick Rose at three.
1: It's going They're probably going to start Derrick Rose over Jeff Teague right now, to be honest.
0: Somebody – oh, man. Somebody said that on Twitter the other day.
1: It was Kevin uh, Garnett wants them. Was it Kevin Garnett wants them to start? That's what it
0: was. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, this is just such a wild. It's it's kind of funny because you've been down on the Timberwolves for quite some time now. Um, and I mean, even if they had kept Jimmy Butler, you didn't think they were going to make the playoffs, right?
1: No, I don't have them making the playoffs.
0: Is there any way? Like, what do they do to sort of write the ship? At this point.
1: You rebu- you you regroup and try and rebuild around towns. And I don't know how feasible that is with with Andrew Wiggins' contract on the books.
0: You can't it's almost gonna be impossible to trade Andrew Wiggins. I can't imagine anybody taking that on. Carl Anthony Towns seems to be developing uh, I don't know what the word would be for it, uh, just sort of dissatisfaction well, with the organization. He's like uh, their
1: fourth option. That's a problem. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't blame him. Uh, <laughs> there's all kinds of problems with this organization. I think the right end game would be what you just said. Find a way to restart with Towns. I just don't know how, to, how they get to that point without just waiting it out for the next two, three, four years. Um, they, they are in quite the mess at this point, and it's, it's hard to see the way out at this point.
1: Do you, before delving into that, kind of, because there are some Andrew Wiggins tidbits to get to there, do you see any other teams that aren't on Butler's list that could kind of join the sweepstakes? A, a few people I've seen on Twitter have mentioned the Rockets. To me, they would have a better chance of trading for Carl Anthony Towns than Jimmy Butler just because they could eventually dangle Clint Capella. And that's still a midseason thing they would have to go through. I mean, the one of the trades that someone threw out to me on Twitter was like, I, I think it was P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, and a pick. That's just not – I mean, if that gets you Jimmy Butler, fine, but that's not getting you Jimmy Butler.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be wild. And what picks does Houston even have left at this point?
1: Um, They can trade this year's pick, right, because it's like, after the draft, but that's like, do you want the 28th pick in the draft?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's in answer to your question. No, I don't see any others. Like to me, I think there are re- there are some interesting reasons for all the teams you na- named to to do this. But all of them, and even the three on his list, I think at the end of the day, my final call would be: let's just wait. Um,
1: Here's something that might be interesting, even though it says he doesn't want to play with LeBron. Let's say the Timberwolves do wait until midseason. Would If you're the Lakers, are you willing to give up uh, Kuzma or Hart in addition to any of your spot? Expi- because you're not giving up Baller Ingram for Jimmy Butler at this point. And so let's say you give up um, Kuzma or Hart this year's pick and just salary filler, you know, the Rondo deal, and then maybe there's buyouts there and the the Stevenson deal. Would you do that for Jimmy Butler? Or maybe even Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. I mean, that's tw- he's on a $12 million expiring, and he's an asset. If I'm the Lakers, I don't want to give up on him because I have his early bird rights, but that might be something interesting to monitor if, again, uh, the Timberwolves hold on to Jimmy Butler through mid-December, which seems increasingly unlikely.
0: Yeah. I mean, it. it's certainly worth the discussion, like we've said with all these, but I would just... I feel like I would need some kind of assurance that we could keep him, and maybe it's just an assurance that you tell yourself once he gets here, he'll buy into what we're doing as an organization. He'll see all the history all over the arena. He'll, he will become enamored with Lakers folklore. Um, he'll enjoy playing with LeBron James, despite what he thought before getting here. So maybe you make a gamble like that. But to me, it is still a little bit of a gamble because he could just be gone, gone in a year. Um, his knees could be jello in two years. And uh, instead you could have had Kyle Kuzma or, and Josh Hart on, on rookie scaled contracts. That's true for a couple. Years. So, um, these are all really, really interesting questions. I just don't think he's a no brainer trade target because of all these, these question marks that have attached themselves to him over the course of his career.
1: Push comes to shove then. And I'm forcing you to choose right now who trades for Jimmy Butler. Um,
0: I'll say the Nets.
1: They're weirdly my pick, too. It'd be the Clippers if, again, we got to midseason and you can throw Avery Bradley and Bob Mute in there. But when you look at the Nets right now, they can probably talk themselves into giving up a, a-, a Rondé Hollis-Jefferson or Karis LeVert. And then you have Damari Carroll's expiring along with other expirings to make the money work. And so that's, that's a risk that you can talk yourself into.
0: And that front office is so smart. I, I think they're probably talking about all these risks that we're talking about too. And, and I'm sure every front office is, but I think they, they will be very careful.
1: It helps um, the Nets that the Timberwolves, as long as Tibbs is there, want to win post-Jimmy Butler. And so someone like yeah. Damari Carroll helps them now. And that, that expiring piece might be something that they're highly intrigued by.
0: Yeah. And I think we probably will hit a point at some point in the season where it's obvious that he's he's not going to re-sign with Minnesota, and then they'll get a little bit more desperate and think, um, do we really want to lose this
1: guy for nothing? Here, well, I'll assume Jared Allen's off limits just because he's going to be really good and the Timberwolves don't need him. Would you give up in a Butler trade if you're the Nets two of Russell, Dinwiddie, Lavert, um, and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, two of those guys in a deal?
0: Um, probably. And I, I say that liking all four of those guys. Um, I'm still, I'm still not out on D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I think he has a chance to be pretty good. I think Rondé Hollis Jefferson's a little underrated. I, I think Brooklyn could be pretty competitive with those four going forward, but if they if they feel like they can get Jimmy Butler for the next two or three years, you go from guys who are maybe, you know, the potential right. top twenty-five to thirty to a guy who's already a top ten to fifteen. And that's a big jump. Um so yeah, I think I probably could talk myself into some combination of those two. I or would of two four.
1: I would not, and this might be I'm not sure if this is even like a a, a medium hot take. I would not give up both Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert in a deal because I think those are the Nets' – aside from Allen, just two most in, interesting long-term players. I'm super high on Karis LeVert still. I'm not going I, anywhere.
0: With Spencer Dinwiddie, this is another one I'm going to Google real quick. He's 25. He's sort of sneakily become one of their best trade assets. I think there's a lot of teams that could use that guy.
1: Can we? Are you ready for a Spencer Dinwiddie stat?
0: Yes, I am.
1: He needs to improve his three point percentage because he shot a league a- below a league average clip last year. But there were three players last season who surpassed 15 points, eight assists, one steal, and two three point makes per 36 minutes Spencer Dinwiddie, James Harden, and Chris Paul.
0: <laughs> That's so- very, very solid company.
1: Also, shout out to Houston.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was going to say, Dinwiddie, it, it felt like his three-point percentage kind of fell off a cliff in the second half of the season. So maybe if he can just find some way to be more consistent over the course of 82, he'll be fine. Yeah, his well, it wasn't great pre-All-Star either.
1: Well, the thing is, is, he
0: was Pre-All-Star, 28, post-All-Star.
1: He was their primary shot creator for how long? As if you have D'Angelo Russell, even though those two were a defensive nightmare— when they were on the floor together, but as you kind of get more familiar with D'Angelo Russell, as Karis LeVert takes that step forward, if you can have that just extra shot creator there, it it makes his life just a little bit easier, I would think.
0: Yeah. And I'm still um, assuming they don't make any kind of trades. I'm, I'm still very intrigued by that backcourt seeing those two play together. I know their net rating together. Wasn't great last season, but I think they have a chance to be pretty good together.
1: But I agree that I think the Nets are the most likely trade destination. Um, and what's what's actually kind of crazy about that is we know the Nets are not going to overpay for Jimmy Butler. Sean Marks has just been too meticulous in the way he's handled this team. And so by us saying that, we're kind of predicting that Jimmy Butler is going to get traded. It's going to be another one of these superstar trades where we look at it and go, uh, you know what? They weren't. Not that. Given the situation, not that the Timberwolves were undercompensated for him, but the return's just not gonna blow us out of the water.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's just sort of the standard operating procedure for NBA trades now. Um and, and one thing about it is it seems like just getting a first round pick has become so much more valuable in the last four or five years.
1: The last thing we'll get to, since uh you have to roll and we both have to roll, you you kind of mentioned Andrew Wiggins before. He might be, no matter what direction the Timberwolves take this rebuild, have we reached the point where they probably are never going to be able to reach um, a viable or respectable apex with him on the books? Or Okay, here's maybe more point blank about this. Is Andrew Wiggins, do we just say it now, he's not good? Entering year five, this is where uh- we're at now. Still young, 24, I think. But is he just not good?
0: He's not yet, um,
1: but is are we how much longer can we play that card is basically my yeah,
0: that's a good question he's twenty three he's been in the league for how many years now five four entering, or five
1: entering his fifth year and at so some you, point he, yeah go ahead at some point, I just think the even though he's still quote unquote young, untapped potential no longer earns him the benefit of the doubt. the unknown and the unfinished are now warning signs.
0: Yeah, I I think that's all fair. And um
1: the, and the fact I, that he regressed who, who, last year. What's is, that? The fact that he regressed last year is a major red flag.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, I agree. Um here's his coaches though. Last 2 years Tom <laughs> Tip, The year before that Sam Mitchell. Uh the year before that Flip Saunders. And I I think Flip Saunders is subjectively the best
1: without of question. That.
0: Uh, I think I think Thibodeau was good once upon a time. Well, was, I I think the game has passed him by. He's been terrible.
1: Was was he ever a good fit for young players though?
0: Yeah, I think that's um no, the answer to that question <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying, yeah, that's a good point. Um so maybe if he found the right fit, coach and, and teammates wise, he'd be a little bit better. I think basketball is just so much about what situation you find yourself in and he's found himself in a situation in minnesota where he can put up a bunch of points and he can take a bunch of terrible mid-range shots and he can take breaks on defense Um, and those things really endear him to a a big segment of nba fans but they don't really help teams win basketball games so at this point is there a coach out there that can maybe break those those habits Uh, there's, there is. I still think he's really talented. Uh, just to this point, um in answer to your question, he hasn't really demonstrated that he's a good NBA player.
1: I'm just not sure I could get there because situation matters. But he's one of the, he was last season one of the least efficient players in just all these different areas of scoring. And this is, uh, this is how I'll get you out of here. Then I have these stats teed up and ready to go. There were 73 players last year who attempted at least 250 pull-up jumpers. Andrew Wiggins' effective field goal percentage of 33.1 on these looks ranked dead last, 73rd. There were, uh, of all the players who attempted at least 250 mid-range field goal attempts last year, Andrew Wiggins' field goal percentage of 31.8% on these looks was again dead last. Of <laughs> of, of all the players who attempted at least 250 catch-and-shoot uh looks last year. Andrew Wiggins, his effective field goal percentage of 51.9, this is among 94 players, was very clearly in the bottom third. He was just ahead of Tim Hardaway Jr., who was 51.8, his effective field goal percentage on catch and shoot looks. And finally, of the 68 players who attempted at least 200 wide open shots, Andrew Wiggins' effective field goal percentage of 51.8 ranked 62nd. It's just, the evidence is just not there right now. And I, you talk about what's going to work, putting him in more of a featured role, in more of a diminished role, better coaching, better spacing, just a completely different team. I I honestly don't know, but when you have him on the books for five years and $147.7 million, you can't move him. I just, I would call him close to, no deals are movable, but... You'd be lucky to get an expiring contract for him at this point, I feel like.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I um, I think we agree that the way forward for the Timberwolves is blow it up and build around Carl Anthony Towns, but I just I just don't know how they can blow do it, it.
1: Even Jang's deal is bad. Yeah, they're in they're <laughs> a tough spot.
0: For the next two or three years. Um, I'm going to give you a Wigan stat before I do the sign-off. So let's see here. 3,000. I'm waiting for pages to load. Um, Basketball reference tracks box plus minus back to 1973. um, 3,143 players have logged an NBA minute since then. Um, That's a big number. Now, wins above replacement player, wins over replacement player is like the counting version of box plus minus. And where is Wiggins? Wiggins is oh, I thought he would I'm I'm totally botching this. <laughs> um he's he's around like two thousand eight hundred in that stat for guys in their first four seasons. Um, statistically, he's just, this is an attempt to back up what you were saying. He's just not helped the Timberwolves over the first four seasons of his career. He's just been a a losing player. And now, like you said, he's tied to this huge deal. And I just don't know how, I don't know how they move him, which is the fourth or fifth time. We've said that over the course of this podcast. Um, And back to our original talking point, I don't really know. He's by the way, Wiggins is 2,900. Um, I finally found him anyway. They've got two guys on the books that they probably need to move in Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins. It's going to be hard to do both. Um, The positive thing with Butler is even if they can't find a trade partner with him over the course of this entire season, he's an expiring contract and they'll get that one out of here sooner than Wiggins. But Long story short, um, it is an interesting moment in Timberwolves history, which is it's kind of sad because it comes right after they made the postseason for the first time in what, like thirteen or fourteen years. Um, so they had these good vibes going, and and all of a sudden everything. Did they?
1: Was, Maybe I was just the only one who was that rockets uh, that rocket I, series did nothing I, for me. <laughs>
0: I mean, you would think that Timberwolves fans had to be excited to at least be back in the postseason. Um,
1: Fair, and they deserved it. Timberwolves fans yeah. deserved it.
0: And to go from that to this, just a few months later, I'm sure that's frustrating uh, for Minnesota fans. It, it's They're going to be a really interesting team to pay attention to for the next couple months. What's going to happen with Glenn Taylor? What's going to happen with Tom Thibodeau? What's going to happen with Jimmy Butler? Um, will we find out in the next month? Will we find out in the next three or four months? Um, it's going to be one to pay attention to. I'm sure this isn't the last time Dan and I will talk about it. Uh, like we did last season with Kawhi Leonard, we, I, <laughs> it felt like we gave updates like twice a month on what was going on with that. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're in for a similar ride uh, with Jimmy Butler. So stay tuned. Um, I'm sure we'll have plenty more hot takes on this situation and more as we go through the 2018-19 season. Uh, if you have anything that you think we missed on this Jimmy Butler Conversation. I feel like we hit all over the place with this. Um, find Dan on Twitter at Dan Favali, F-A-V-A-L-E. Find me at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. Um, as Dan said at the top of the show, leave ratings, uh, leave reviews. We appreciate all that stuff. Um, until next time, we leave you with the shout out to Ben Udri former Timberwolf, I think, and Kyle Anderson. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to make refreshing changes to your kitchen and bath. We do it right too. With up to 40% off select kitchen and bath essentials during the final days of our refresh for less kitchen and bath event. That's up to 40% off faucets, vanities, shower heads, and more for kitchen and bath updates that keep you within budget. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's offer valid through three, six C store for details. U S only.